Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's one of our leaders, Tim Kleiner. All right, why don't we pray before we get into into today's message. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we thank you, Father God, for your goodness, Father God, for your mercy, for your grace. We thank you for your son Jesus, uh, for what he did for us on the cross, that, that he shed his blood to bring about forgiveness of sins, that we can stand right and holy before you, and that you have declared us not guilty because of your son, of what you have done for us because of, of him and the cross. Lord, we thank you, Father God, for this message today. We thank you that you would open up the eyes of our hearts, that they would be flooded with light, that we would know as we ought to know, see in the word of God as we ought to see, and hear as we ought to hear. We thank you, Father God, that we would not only be hearers of the word, but that we, be, but that we would be doers of it and put it into practice in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. All right. Well, back in November, uh, the last time I spoke, um, I spoke a message on heart conditions. Um, different attitudes and, and motives of our heart that can affect our spiritual walk and intimacy with, with God. So in these series of, of messages that we'll be speaking, we're going to kind of continue along on those same lines and really look at the heart and the soul of us, of, of, of our being. And so when we look at the heart and soul and spirit, we do need to define some terms first. So we get a proper understanding of what the Bible says. And so when the Bible speaks of the heart, it uses it as a spiritual metaphor. It's not talking about your literal physical pump that pumps blood. But it's a spiritual metaphor that is describing the very heart and core of our being. Okay, so when we talk about the heart, it's talking about the spirit and the mind, the character, the inner self, our will, our intentions, the very center and core of our being. Um, a person named um, Jay Stalwell said, the heart is used in scripture as the most comprehensive term for the authentic person. It is the part of our being where we desire, deliberate, and decide. It has been described as the place of consciousness and decisive spiritual activity. The, the comprehensive term for a person as a whole. His or her feelings, desires, passions, thoughts, understanding, and will. It's the center of our person. And so the word heart there, it's used over 800 times in the Bible. And it, it, the Greek word is where we get the word cardiac from it. The Greek word is cardia. Over 800 times and not one time is it referring to the physical pump, but it's referring to the core, the center of your being. And so the Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians uh, 4.16, it describes the inward man and the outward man. It says that, that the outward man is decaying, but the inward self 
is being renewed day by day. So we have this outward person, our body. We're, we're getting older. Uh, some of us are losing our hair. Some of us, like myself, some of us are um, expanding our waist sides. We're decaying. We're getting older. But when we feed upon God's word, it says that the inner self, our heart, who we really are on the inside, is being renewed. It's growing. It's strengthening day by day. And so Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. In 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, Peter describes it, contrast um, the outward man or the outward person and the inward person as the hidden person of the heart. So the soul is the mind, the will, and the intellect. So the soul, um, not to get real technical with you guys, but the soul the soul comes from the word suke, and suke is where we get the word psyche from, or psychology, or psychiatry. It means the mind, the will, the emotions, your feelings, um, that, that type of thing. Um, now, the word spirit is the word pneuma, okay? And it can mean the Holy Spirit. It can mean your human spirit. It can also mean angelic spirits or even demonic spirits. Um, the word can also mean breath or wind. So in order to understand what the scripture is talking about when it mentions these words, um, you have to know the context of what the scripture is saying. And a lot of times the Bible will use soul and spirit and heart interchangeably. So again, you really need to read the context to really know what the author of that particular book is talking about. Um, so one of the best scripture verses that describe our makeup is in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so here we see that we as humans are... We see human beings on three dimensions, spirit, soul, and body. And our spirit, soul, and body is to be kept blameless, pure, and holy at the coming of the Lord Jesus. So when, when we were born, we were born into sin. When Adam sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, that sin passed upon all humanity. And it affected us, spirit, soul, and body. It was a radical corruption that took place. We were cut off, separated from God, and we were spiritually dead. But Jesus came. How many are you glad for, for what Jesus did? Jesus came, went to the cross, and shed his blood for us. And he removed that sin-laden, hardened heart and gave us a brand new heart, a brand new spirit with his life, with his nature on the inside of us. See, in Jeremiah 17, 9, Jeremiah says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. But we have a great physician. His name is Jesus, and he came and touched our hearts. And if we receive him as Lord and Savior of our life, we can receive new life on the inside of us. He replaces that, that depression, that, that evil that's on the inside, and he replaces it with his joy, with his peace, with his life. 
But now, since we have the life of God on the inside of us, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any person be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. The new has come. So now that we've been made new, we still have this mind, this, this soul that we have to deal with. We still have this body. See, when we were saved, we changed on the inside, but we may have not have changed on the outside. If you still have bald hair or no hair, you still have no hair. If you still have a, a big nose like, like me, you still have a big nose. God did his work on the inside of us. But now he tells us that we have to do something with our minds, okay? We have to change the way we think. In Romans 12, chapter 1, verses, uh, verses 1 through 2, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So now that we've been saved, we have to change the way we think. This word transformed comes from the word metamorphosis or metamorpho. It means to change from the inside out. So what that means is the work that God did on the inside of you when you accepted him into your life, he wants that to come out on the outside in how we think, what we say, and our actions towards other people. His life on the inside of us needs to be an outflow in expression towards other people in how we live and, and conduct ourselves. And so... In Ephesians 4.22 through 24, and I'm just kind of briefly just summarizing some of this. Um, but in chapter 4, verse 22, he says, to put off the old self. This, the old self is the old way of living, that lifestyle that we had before we accepted Jesus. If that, that lifestyle of maybe alcoholism or, or drug addiction or, or pornography, we're to put that stuff off and we are to put on the new person that's on the inside of us. And so how do we do that? He says here in verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit or the attitude of your minds and put on the new self, the new self, which is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is how we put on the new person, by changing the way we think according to what the word of God says. Reading the scriptures daily, letting the word of God change the way we think, change the way we speak, change the way we treat our spouse or our kids or our, co or our co-workers. The word of God must be final authority, and we must allow it to govern every area of our life. And it comes through reading the scriptures, from meditating on, on the scriptures, speaking the scriptures to, to yourself. Now, just to give you an example, uh, two weeks ago, we had that 
that snowstorm, right? And I, I was one of the, the, the persons, one of the, the, the people in town that lost power in, in our home. And so the power was out um, until about 7.30. And when the power came back on, uh, the furnace started, but I noticed that it was running for a couple hours, and the temperature never rose in our house. See, the temperature got down to 60 de- degrees that, that day and never warmed up. And so I went downstairs, and uh, I checked out the furnace, opened the doors to see, to see what was going on with that furnace. And I noticed that the lights, the, 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 the flame was out. It wasn't burning. And so I shut it down and just let it cool off and sit there for a while. And then I manually turned it back on at that furnace. And when I did... Uh, the flames started. It started heating up. You, you, you could see the, the pile lights and all that, the, 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 the fire burning, and it started to blow that hot air. Um, it didn't last long, and unfortunately, that heat, that flame shut down, and it was just blowing cold air throughout the, the house. So the next morning, I called a, a local um, heating and air place to try to schedule an appointment for them to come out and service the, the furnace. And so the, the tech guy called me back later, and um, I explained the, the, the situation uh, to him. And he said, well, let me ask you a question. Is your air filter dirty? And being kind of embarrassed about it, I said, well... Yeah, it's pretty dirty. And so uh, if you guys can pull that, that picture up of, of that air filter. That is my air filter. That is pretty nasty, right? So this is kind of embarrassing since, you know, I'm over the maintenance department here, and I actually tell people when to change the air filter, but I, I'm a hypocrite and don't change my own. I worked in a hardware store for 10 years, and I know better that you're supposed to change your air filter. But I neglected my own furnace. I was lazy, and I allowed that to build up. And he said, if, when the power goes out like that and the temperature um, decreases in your home, the furnace has to work harder and longer to blow out heat to cool down and change the climate of the house. And if there's a clogged, dirty air filter like that, it keeps the hot air from escaping the furnace, and it builds up on the inside, overheats, and shuts down. And it doesn't change anything in the house. All right. Another thing about a dirty air filter like that is it collects bacteria, germs, and disease. And you can get sick if you don't take care of that. Now, if you don't get anything out of this message today, get this. Go home, change your air filter. All right? Now, see, the Word of God says never... In, um, in Romans 12, 11, in the Amplified Classic version, says, Never lag in zeal in earnest endeavor. Don't be lazy. Be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. See, when we are saved, we, the presence of God comes on the inside of us. We are, if you will, to be a, 
a furnace of the presence and the fire of God on the inside of us. But if we don't change the air filter of our thinking, if we don't change the air filter of, of, of our minds according to the word of God, we allow the germs, the bacteria, the infections of the world to pollute our mind. And it ends up um, quenching that fire on the inside of us. We become spiritually cold and on, are unable to change the climate or the situations of life around us. We have to change our thinking. Let me ask you something today. Have you lost your passion for God? Has that fire gone out? Have you allowed other things to filtrate and clog your thinking and, and, are, and are not feeding upon God's word? Have you lost that passion? About 15 years ago, I lost that passion in my own life. I allowed other things to come in and to take me away from reading the, 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 the scriptures. Um, honestly, for a time period back then, I went five years, five years without reading my Bible. And that fire went out, that passion went out. And I became spiritually cold and dry and unable to change the climate around me. Instead of me changing the climate around me, I allowed the climate to change me. What are you spending your time on? Are you, are you feeding all your time on, on Netflix or Hulu? Or are you spending your time in the Word of God? Hey, and I'll be the first one to admit, it is easy to go home and veg out on Netflix. I can binge watch a show with the best of them. But is that profitable? Does it help us? It will eventually cause that fire and that passion to dry up and get cold. See, Jesus didn't just die for your forgiveness, but he rose for your transformation. He wants us to be changing. Now, some of you guys, you may have heard that, um, that bumper sticker or license plate uh, frame that says, Christians aren't perfect, but they're what? Forgiven. That's only half truth. Really, just take that off if you have one, because Christians aren't perfect, but we're changing. We're transforming into the image of Christ. Um, Paul said in Romans chapter 8 that, we are, that God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ. So we're more than just forgiven, but we're transforming. We're changing as we develop in the word of God. And so one of the most important things um, that you need to understand for your transformation, for your, tra for your changing in life, and if you want to burn with a passion for the things of God, is for you to understand your identity or identification in Christ, who you are. 
And so Webster's Dictionary defines identification is the condition or fact of being the same or exactly alike. It's sameness, oneness, the condition or fact of being the same as a person or thing described or claimed. So when we're talking about our identity or our identification to Christ, we're talking about our union with him, being joined to him, our oneness with him. We are one with him. So when Jesus died, in the mind of God, we died with him on that cross. We were there with him on the cross. So his death becomes our death. His being dead to sin is our being dead to sin. So, and then when he rose from the dead, because we are one with him, because we are united with him, we rose with him. So in the mind of God, we were made alive together with Christ. That is our identification. And so real quickly in Romans chapter 6, if you have your Bibles You can turn there. We're going to spend a little bit of time reading here. And I'm just going to read a section of verses here. And then we will quickly just um, make some points about them. So it says in verse 1, Paul writes, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Or a more accurate reading of that would be rendered powerless. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. So here Paul is talking about, in the preceding chapters, he's talking about what God did for us, that we were all born into sin, and that by God's grace, he delivered us. Jesus went to the cross, made us right with him, justified us, um, declared us not guilty. 
and has shown us and given us his grace, pardoning grace, grace that pardons all our sin. And he said, because of that, because we have grace, are we to continue in the same lifestyle that we had before grace was ever shown to us? And he says, assuredly not, absolutely not. Literally, he said, God forbid. That change on the inside of us now must change the way we behave and the way we think. And he said, and he says here, um, don't you know? Don't you know? So once we come to, to being saved, once Jesus comes into our life, God wants us to know some things. We have to know some things. He says, don't you know? God expects us to, to, to know. It says in 1 Timothy 2.4, God who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He not only wants you to be saved, he wants you to become, he wants you to come to the knowledge of the truth. So here, one of the first things that he wants us to know as believers, as believers, one of the first things we need to know is our our identity to Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And Paul signifies this by using the word baptism. He says, don't you know that all of us have been baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? We were immersed into Christ. And actually, that's what water baptism signifies. When we're water baptized, and again, just to mention, we have a water baptism coming up April 7th. So if you want to be water baptized, if you want to um, um, demonstrate your commitment to Christ, I encourage you to sign up at our Welcome Center after, after service. But that's what baptism means. It means that we died with Christ and we rose to new life. So once that person goes into the water, it signifies they are going into the grave, that that old life is gone, the old way of doing things is gone, and when you come up out of that water, it signifies that you have been brought to new life in Christ. And so that new life in Christ is because we are one with him. He says in verse uh, five, for if we've been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So it, like I said, since we have identified with God, we died with him in the mind of God. We were there at the cross, and in the mind of God, we rose with him to new life. And backing up in verse four, he says, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. In other words, live our life dominated by the life of God that's on the inside of us. And you know what? That is how we fight sin. When we want to do wrong things, when we're pulled back into areas of our life that, that held us captive in our past, how you fight that is to draw upon the life of God that is on the inside of you. See, we have, there is pardoning grace, but there is transforming grace. God's enablement to enable you, to empower you 
in the face of temptation to overcome it. And it's because of the life of God that's on the inside of you. In verse 11, we're just going to sum this up. I don't, we don't have time to go through all of this. But he says, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive unto God. Consider yourself dead to the former past, the alcoholism, the drug addiction, the pornography, the wrong words coming out of your mouth, um, anger. Consider yourself dead to that and alive unto God. Let that life that's on the inside of you dominate the way you think, the way you speak, and the way you conduct yourself. So I think a lot of times when we read this, we're so focused on, I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. And we get so caught up on being dead to sin when we're trying to fight it. So I have this, I have this donut here. Okay? Now, if you've been around here long or if you know me, I absolutely love donuts. Okay? I absolutely love them. One time at a former job I, I used to work at, we had a contest with, with Krispy Kreme donuts. Who could eat the, the, the most? Needless to say, I, ate, I won that contest. So I love donuts, okay? So I want this donut to represent what you're fighting against, okay? Or some issue or temptation that you may be facing. And I think a lot of times... What we do is, I'm dead to sin. 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 See, we're focused on the sin. We're focused on the death. But Jesus rose. He said, we're dead to sin, but alive unto God. And so we have to focus our attention on the life, not the death. And allow the resurrection life that's on the inside of us to impact us. So we take the word of God represented by the fruit. And we say, I'm alive in Christ Jesus. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, all things have become new. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So your focus is on the word. Your focus is on the life. Your focus is on Jesus. And you can partake of the life of God. That's in the word, all right? So anybody want a donut? <laughs> so you're dead to sin, but focus on the life that's on the inside of you. I gotta chew this apple because it's hard to talk with it. So in Romans chapter eight, verses five through six, Paul says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind 
on the things of the Spirit. See, you have to understand, the mind is the deciding factor whether you choose the temptation, the sin that, that you're dealing with, or you choose the Spirit, the life of God. Your mind is the deciding factor. So what you do with it will determine your future, your purpose, and your destiny. If, if you decide to neglect it, like I did that air filter, and allow things to come in and clutter your mind, you will automatically gravitate to the flesh and partake and indulge in things that are unhealthy for, for you. The word of God. See, the word of God is just more than just words and punctuations and numbers on a page. The word of God contains the very life and power of God. Paul said in, in Romans 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. He said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, The word of the cross, the message of the cross, is the power of God. So when we feed upon the word and we put the word of God first place in our life, then we can access the very life and power of God that's in the word to confront the temptation in what we're dealing with. See, the word of God and the spirit of God work together to bring transformation or change in our life. The word of God and the spirit of God work together. The, the, the spirit never works apart from the word. His empowerment to overcome our flesh is inherent, inerrant in the word. So you, some of you may have heard this statement before. Um, the word without the spirit, you'll dry up. Okay, if, if you just have all word and no power, no, and the Spirit of God's not there, you'll dry up. Without the, without the word, without the Spirit, you'll dry up. The, the Spirit, without the word, you'll blow up. In other words, how many of you met some goofy Christians out there sometimes? Okay, a little off in Lululand somewhere. They're not grounded in the Scripture, okay? And they blow up with all kinds of weirdness. All right? So, again, the word without the spirit, you'll dry up. The spirit without the word, you'll blow up. But the, the word and the spirit, you'll grow up. You'll grow up and you will develop and you will transform in the person that God wants you to be. In, uh, so, in chapter 8 there, we read verses 5 and 6. And in verses 12 and 13, he says... If you don't set your mind, uh, let me back up here. I, I lost that place there. So in verse, verse 12, so then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. So in other words, because Christ set us free, he set us free from the dominion of sin and death. He set us free from the grips of Satan. Because of that, we are not obligated or under the pressure to live according to our flesh. We don't have to sin. We do not have to live a life of sin if we don't want to. 
We are not obligated to live under the flesh, this fleshly, sinful nature that we have because of Adam's sin. We don't have to live according to that because of what Christ did for us. So he says to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So notice he says, by the Spirit. So it's not in our own ability. We can't do it on our own. We cannot, from our own strength and ability, we cannot overcome the flesh. Our sinful dictates uh, that want to try to grasp us. We have to have the Word of God and the Spirit of God. He said, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. So notice that it's conditional. It's an if. And he says, if you. So in other words, you have to do it. And it's conditional whether you do it or not. It's conditional based upon you setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. Because if you don't set your mind on the things of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, then the power of the Spirit that's contained in the Word of God will not be there to give you the ability to overcome it. You guys get that? If you don't set your mind on the things of the Spirit, the Word of God, you won't have power from the Spirit to put to death the deeds of the body. And it starts what we set our minds on. And like I said, you have to do it. God's not going to do it for you. God's done everything he's going to do. He's given you his word, and he's given you his spirit. Now he expects you to let the word of God infiltrate your mind and to change it. And the way we do that, like I said before, is to continuing to meditate and ground ourselves in what God says in his word. The Bible says our mind is not just to know what the Bible says. Because we can know what it says, we can, like we know a history book. Do you know that the, that the devil knows what the Bible says? That demons know what the Bible says? So it, it's not enough to know what it says. We have to know the one who said it. That's what it means to renew your mind. To know the one that said it. To have that intimate, personal relationship and fellowship with him. Transformation happens by intimate fellowship with God through the word empowered by the spirit. Reading the word should always equal intimate fellowship. If we don't have intimate fellowship when we're reading the scriptures, then we're reading it wrongly. Reading the scriptures should always produce that fellowship with God to where we see and behold his glory and his splendor and his majesty in the word of God. And when we see him for who he is in the word of God, it changes us <clears throat> and transforms us. We are changed from one image of glory to the next image, into the very image of Christ. So what takes place, when this takes place, Jesus then becomes the absolute treasure of our life. 
when we see him for who he is and know him intimately, we renew our mind and we see him as our absolute satisfaction and treasure. And when he, we see him as our absolute treasure and satisfaction above anything else in this world, it will be easier to choose this versus this. Because you know this can never satisfy you. If we can have the worship team come up. If everyone would close their eyes and, and bow their heads. And uh, you had that passion before. You had that fire on the inside of you burning ablaze before. And you, and you have allowed things to, to creep in, to affect your mind, that has put out that flame on the inside of you. The Apostle Paul wrote in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, he said, stir up or fan the flame of the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Or you may be sitting here and, and you don't know what it is to know Jesus and, and, and you allowed sin in your life and, and, and you feel and know that separation from God and you want change in your life and you want a new heart and what we call being born again, where you're born afresh, you're born anew, where you're a new person on the inside. And you want God's life to come on the end and remove that sin, remove that guilt, and remove that shame. If I'm speaking to any one of those two things, if you lost your fire or you need God in your life, I want you to lift your hand. Thank you. You can, you can put those hands down. Thank you for your honesty. So what we're going to do right now is, is we're going to pray. And I want you to repeat after me. Dear Father God, I come before you now and I ask that you forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died and I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I ask that you come into my heart right now and change me. Make me a new person. Transform me into the person that you want me to be. In Jesus' name. If you're one of those who lifted your hand that thinks that the fire's gone out, that that passion's gone out, that you've allowed other things in your life that, has, that have polluted your thinking, polluted your walk with God, I want you to repeat after me. Father God, forgive me for, walk, for walking away from you, for allowing other things to come into my life. 
I ask for a fresh touch of your spirit right now. And I fan into flame the gift that's on the inside of me. From this point on, I will make the word of God a priority in my life to walk with you and to fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. In a few moments, our prayer team will be down here at the front. If you lifted your hand or should have lifted your hand, and God's been dealing with you, I want you to come down and pray with one of these prayer team. And allow them to pray, allow God's spirit to touch your heart and to stir up the embers of the flame of his presence on the inside of you. Don't hesitate. Don't walk out these doors with that furnace shut down. Get it kick-started, all right? Worship team is going to sing a song. Why don't we just stand up and let's lift our hands and let's just worship God. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.